people this morning and uh, really want to welcome all of our new people here. Bibles, we're going to be in the New Testament book of Ephesians uh, this week. Uh, we are actually wrapping up a series that we've been in for, I believe, the last eight weeks uh, on discipleship. It's been a series specifically focusing on uh, this thing that we call discipleship, which ultimately comes down to uh, following Jesus into the life that he has for us. We've called it uh, The Way We Change the World, which is a pretty big uh, title, but we actually believe that uh, Jesus, even in starting in a small way, uh, changes the world through this thing that we call discipleship. So if you missed any of these messages, if you're new with us, you can go back, you can always listen uh, online to uh, these messages or on the app. Uh, if you need a Bible this morning, put up your hand. Uh, we're going to go through a chunk of scripture. We'd love for everybody to have a Bible uh, to be able to read along with uh, and turn to uh, the New Testament book of Ephesians. Um, as we talk about changing the world, uh, the reality is uh, the, the events of the world can be pretty overwhelming. Um, as we go through our weeks here, I know last weekend, last Saturday actually, uh, was uh, the, the moment that uh, the nation of Ecuador had this huge earthquake. I know early in this week, maybe you like me, kind of spent some of your time just watching as uh, death tolls piled up from that. And I believe now it's 654 people that lost uh, their lives. Uh, if you watch the images, you see people who are just absolutely devastated whole whole towns absolutely devastated families that law that maybe hold on to hope we're, we're going to find our loved one and then um do not and in the midst of all of those images i kind of look at it and say um what hope is there in a situation like that what could change what's going on there um, a little bit closer to home i had a conversation with my next door neighbor uh, she's a wonderful uh a woman doesn't know jesus um, but I uh, always have, get to have some great conversations with her. She actually works in uh, the school district. And uh, she's uh, telling me, she's like, John, um, the, the things that I see in the school district, um, she works in a high school, she works with uh, people. She said, I used to see young women um, who would get pregnant when they were juniors and seniors. Um, now, you wouldn't believe, John, she said, it's the freshmen. It's the 10th graders. And I see in her, in her heart and her desires to, to actually be there, to be present, to, to do something about it. And, and while absolutely I, I applaud her, she is being kind of more practically hands-on than um, myself or many of us who call ourselves Christ followers are. But at the end, I say the only ultimate hope is Jesus. Uh, what we believe as a church and as followers of Christ is that the answer, the ultimate answer, is uh, Jesus. And so when we see these issues, we see, say the answer is Jesus. Now, that sounds very churchy, uh, I understand. And oftentimes for those outside of the church or even us in the church, when we're struggling with some very real things, when we're struggling in our marriage, where we're struggling with uh, finding our direction, um, and somebody just comes along and says, hey, you just need to, to believe in Jesus. Jesus is the answer. Just cling to him. We sometimes say, what real practical difference as I, may, I understand, it makes me feel good for a moment, but how does Jesus change this? Now, what we actually believe as followers of Christ is that Christ steps into our world, that he steps into our lives, and he makes a very real difference. He, he changes, he transforms uh, the path that we're on. 
So even when we look at a, a natural disaster like in Ecuador, and, and the reality is Jesus may not take away the natural disasters. In fact, uh, he kind of promised that uh, we'd probably see some more of that in, in the hopes that it would cause people to turn to him and see their need for him. But in the midst of that, we can see that people have, can have a living hope, that people can have a peace and a comfort, that people can know that whatever happens, no matter what tumult, not only in our own lives, but throughout our towns, throughout our societies, that there's a God who is sovereignly in control. And we also believe that if, for our young people, that if they would know the reality that there is a God who loves them and values them, no matter who they are or what they look like, that they don't have to go trying to do whatever it takes to get the attention of uh, some young guy, that they're valued by God Almighty, that maybe if they knew that, that would make a difference. And even if they stumble and mess up, that there is yet a God who loves them and has grace and has mercy and even redemption, that what they do in ninth grade or tenth grade or what we do in college, or what we do in our family right here and now, whatever age we are, does not define us that God yet has a plan for our lives. You see, that, that's what Jesus does. It, he steps into whatever is we're going to, and he makes a very real difference. If we know him, if we know him fully, if we pursue him, you see, we really have two options in the midst of our circumstances. Option one is turn to Jesus. Option two is turn to something else, whatever it is, to someone else or to uh, some other program, something, and to, to pursue that, hoping that uh, that makes all the difference in our lives, someone or something other than Jesus. And I know very well, I know uh, the pursuit. When I was in college, I was a student athlete, and I, I pursued with all that I was playing soccer, and I gave my time, my energy, my thought, my body to that. Until one day I realized that, you know what, that is not lasting. It's on to the, the next thing. And for those of us who are in grad school and we pursue with all of our thought, with all of our energy, uh, that thing we call a dissertation, okay, kind of the, the big pinnacle of our lives. I'll tell you as one who's written one, that that gets placed in perspective too. It's not lasting. For those of us who find ourselves in the midst of parenting, investing in our kids, investing in a relationship, the reality is these things sometimes come and go. But Jesus, if we are to pursue him, is a lasting answer beyond all of those things. And so in the midst of our circumstances, what makes us followers of Jesus is not that we uh, experience these things or not, but what we do in the midst of them. And do we turn and do we pursue Jesus or do we pursue other things continually? Do we constantly turn and pursue Jesus? There was a disciple of Jesus named Peter. Uh, the story is found in John chapter 6 where uh, ministry was getting kind of difficult. Lots of people were leaving Jesus because he was teaching some things and it got a little bit hard, wasn't kind of the ideal picture. And Jesus turns to his disciples, Peter being one of them, and he says, are you going to leave me too? In other words, are you going to stop pursuing me and are you going to pursue others? And Peter makes this statement. He says, where else are we to go? Who else holds the words of eternal life? And see, that is what makes a disciple 
It's someone that in the midst of things recognizes who Jesus is and that it's only him that has the words of life and that even though we may have questions, that we may have struggles, we will continually turn to him and say, I cannot follow anywhere else or go anywhere else because Jesus, only you, even when I do not understand, I know that you are the ones that have the words of eternal life. A disciple we have defined as a fully devoted follower of Jesus. And as we wrap up this series, what I want to stress for us today is this, that fully devoted followers of Jesus pursue the fullness of Jesus. Even in the midst of our circumstances, we continue to pursue more of Jesus. We say, Jesus is the answer. I'm going to continually turn and desire more of him. This is our great desire as a church, that that we are uh, about wanting more of Jesus and wanting to point others to him so they can get more of Jesus. Uh, We say it in kind of this way in our mission statement, that we exist to meet people where they are, spiritually, physically, emotionally, and lead them to be disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus. I know that's kind of like a churchy statement for uh, many of us, but what we cannot leave this series without understanding is this, a few final facts on discipleship that I hope we will take and we'll continue to press into as a church is this, as Christ followers, we must prioritize discipleship that our church life is not just about coming and get little little bits of religion little uh, tidbits about God but that is about devotedly following Jesus into the life that he has for us Jesus said that he that we are to go and to to make disciples that this is where it's at so as Christ followers we must prioritize discipleship secondly as a church We must be willing to do whatever it takes to make the culture shift, to go from the life of just being in the crowd, of doing some churchy stuff, to being committed followers of Jesus. We need to move beyond just kind of teaching and listening and into discipling and living out the things that Jesus told us. We need to move from superficial and into authentic We need to move from being distant from one another and living in a community where we can truly be disciples of Jesus. And we can help each other pursue Jesus together. And and final fact on discipleship is that uh, in the gospel and through the gospel of Jesus Christ, whatever barriers get in our way, we talk about barriers of busyness, we've talked about barriers of, of not feeling qualified to follow Jesus, or to receive from him, or to go and make disciples. But whatever the barriers are, we look to the gospel and hear God's words to us, the good news of Jesus. That though we are not worthy, though we do not have it together, though we we stumble time and time again, yet there is grace for us. And we see Jesus as worth our all. And whatever barriers get in the way, we continually break down those barriers to pursue Jesus. Because fully devoted followers of Jesus pursue the fullness of Jesus. Now I was going to end our series here with kind of going through some practical how-tos. We've been working hard as a leadership uh, to look at, okay, what does it look like practically to follow Jesus? What kind of groups do we do it in? What kind of studies do we do it in? Um, Because there is a barrier of how, right? We may be all excited about it, but in the end, um, we need to know some hows are we going to do this. 
Um, but as I went through the, this week, really felt like rather than just kind of getting into a lot of the nuts and bolts, uh, really what did God have for us that would spur us on? We'll keep talking about nuts and bolts. We're going to be doing trainings. We're going to be doing all kinds of those things. But if we, as people who walk in here on a Sunday morning, miss this, it's a barrier of our heart, then no matter how clear the hows are, we won't be motivated to do them. And so what I want to focus on today is this idea of pursuing the fullness of Jesus. Because I think often we don't grasp just how full Jesus is. Just how good, just how gracious God has been to us in Christ. And so we go to Ephesians 1, which is a letter that a guy by the name of Paul, uh, who was a great missionary uh, in the New Testament times, wrote to a church in Ephesus, a city there in Greece. And he writes to a good church, and the first thing he does is to remind them of the fullness of Christ so that then they can follow and pursue him. And Paul writes this to the Ephesians. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Uh, the reason I want you to have a Bible is so that you can uh, take this and look at it a little bit deeper because there's a lot in there. But what are some of the things that we can say that we receive from Christ. What are some of the things that are listed here? I know your notes only has three little blank lines, but there's a lot more, and you can pick your top three, top four, whatever you want to put there, but let's just look. First of all, we are given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, how many spiritual blessings do we get? Every spiritual blessing, the fullness of Christ. We receive adoption as sons and daughters of God. Now just think about what that, that means, adoption. I don't know, probably some of you have adoptive parents and you know very practically what that means or you yourselves have adopted other children in. You know what it means to be taken from a place where you don't have a name, where you don't have a family and you are given one. We are told that we are brought, adopted into the family of God. Redemption. Redemption, a new start, the forgiveness of our sins, the riches of his grace. He gives us knowledge. He has made known to us the mystery of what God is doing, and he makes that known through Christ. He unites all things in him. Unity. I mean, what can we be united in this world around today? There are so many different things, different opinions, but in Christ we are brought to a unity of a family of God focused on Christ. This is what we have in Christ. Now I know 
big words there, churchy words, maybe we're not all that familiar with or we don't really know what they mean. And you may say, okay, I've heard those things before, but I don't really know what that's all about. And that is the whole point. The fullness that is in Christ, we cannot comprehend. And though we may come and recognize that Jesus is good and we want some of them, if we could really grasp just how much is the fullness of Christ, how much of him there is to know. I mean, think of the things that we struggle with. How many of us, if we could really grasp the fact that God, our Heavenly Father, has called us His children, that by whatever name that we had been called, we are called sons and daughters of the Most High God. Now, if we only spend our whole life just understanding that, redemption, forgiveness of sins, as we carry on the guilt that we have and the shame that we have, Oh, that we could know the fullness of Christ. And you see, that is the point of discipleship. It's not just about doing things, doing things for Jesus, doing things about Jesus. No, it's about knowing Jesus. It's not about the religion. It's about the relationship that we would understand, that we would know, that we would live, that we would experience the fullness of Christ. And so Paul tells the church, you need to grasp the fullness of Christ. And he goes on, and there's more here. He says, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And Paul goes on and on in these run-on sentences because he can't grasp and comprehend the greatness of what else? An eternal inheritance that is ours. So that when the world breaks around us, when there is no hope in these days, there is yet an eternal lasting hope that we have in Christ. That when we find ourselves in a world where we say, what is truth? God gives us his word of truth to cling to. And more than that, he's given us his very own spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to us. I don't know about you, but... Uh, there's a lot of fullness there I need to grasp that I need to comprehend there's a lot more to life in Christ and no matter what mission statement we say it, what comes down to the heart of it is that as followers of Christ we simply want more of Jesus we recognize there's more to him and we'll continue to pursue him continually relentlessly passionately And you want to know what? We realize that no matter where people are helpless and harassed and in need of hope that Christ is the answer, and so we want them to know Jesus and to know more of him. And so we relentlessly pursue him. That's what fully devoted followers of Jesus do. And if we fail to pursue discipleship and settle for whatever else church can bring us, then we fail to pursue the fullness of Jesus. 
And really what we're kind of saying in our actions, our behaviors is saying, I'm good with what I've gotten so far. I know a little bit. I've experienced something. I'm surviving. But we don't settle as disciples. We continue to pursue and to want more and more of him. Have you ever had one of those like really good meals? <laughs> you know, the type that you want to keep eating, though your stomach has long ago said, stop. You know, for me, it's either, you know, a good steakhouse like the Buckhorn or Cattleman's, you know, where I've like filled myself up with the bread even before like the steak comes. You know, or Olive Garden, I love to like bring me more breadsticks, bring me more salad, and then I'll shove in my chicken parmesan. Uh, and, uh, but I could eat more if my body would just allow me to because the fullness of it is, is so good. Unfortunately, with our bodies, we have to cut out, but in many ways, God says, I'm giving you a taste of Christ, but you haven't arrived. There, there's much more. And you want to know what he says in his grace? There, there, there's no stopping point. The more we seek, the more we pursue, the more we will receive of the fullness of Christ. And whatever meal that satisfies for a moment cannot compare to the lasting satisfaction that comes in Christ Jesus. And so we, we want more of him. We, we want to re receive of him. And I know sometimes when we're following Jesus for a while, we hit some kind of tough circumstances and, and we hit some struggles and sometimes we get kind of caught up of not. And we wonder, maybe, maybe God's not there anymore. But let me tell you, friends, that it's in the midst of that path of discipleship that God is beckoning us to come even further. You know, when church lets us down and we feel like we don't have the friendships and we're feeling lonely it isn't that that God says press into me evermore my son my daughter that you would know what it is to have fellowship with your heavenly father it's times when we're struggling with our sins and and feels like man we've screwed up again is there any hope of going forward. We're just always going to screw up and fall short of the glory of God. It's in the midst of that moment that God says, yes, but know my grace, the riches of my grace. It's when we struggle with those doubts and those questions and, and wonder, God, will you lead us? And when we say, God, I don't quite get it, but I'm going to continue looking to you. I'm going to pursue you, Jesus. I'm going to align myself with you because I trust in who you are, and I trust that you're good. It is then that we see just how good he is, that though we wander, though we fall away, yet he is gracious to guide us through. Oh, we want more of Jesus. We want to know him more, and ultimately, devoted followers of Jesus in the midst of all of this, continue to turn and to pursue what Christ has for us. And as we think about how we move forward in, in pursuing more of Jesus, I'm so glad as I look out here, we're from all different backgrounds. Some of us have done the church thing for years. Some of us are, are brand new. Some of us are coming back after years away. Some of us ha have never been in church and we just somehow ended up here. 
And we can be on a path of pursuing Jesus together, always pursuing more of his fullness, looking to him, no matter where we are. That's who we are as a church, just people who want more of Jesus, no matter where we are today. And I think where it begins is praying, praying for us as followers. I, I'm, I'm a, a doer of a person. So, so for years, I have grappled with, okay, how do we specifically, how do we align something so college students can get in? How do we do it so that uh, empty nesters can get in? How do we do it that, um, you know, that uh, parents of young children and uh, newly married, how does it that everybody, youth, kids, uh, gets in line? We, how do we do it? So I, I get into all these strategies. When, when I look at what Paul says is this, that he prayed for the people. Verse 15, for this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And this is what he would pray, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might? See, as a leadership, we pray for the church, that we pray, and we don't pray for whatever you request, whatever you ask, but in the midst of all that, in the midst of whatever your request is this Sunday or next Sunday or beyond, continually we will pray that you will know Christ, that you will know the fullness of him, that you'll be led by the spirit of wisdom and of revelation that lives within you for those of you who have faith in Jesus, that you will have all knowledge, that you will know the hope when we feel so hopeless. Paul later once again prayed after saying some more, and he said this. He said, for this reason, I bow to my knees before the Father. He bowed to his knees that they would know who it was that they are, that from every family in heaven and on earth, that according to the riches of God's glory, that he would grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That is our prayer for the church, that not only would we have a good start in Christ, being rooted and established in him, but that we would continually grow to know and to grasp the height and the depth and the width of the love of Christ, that we'd be filled with all the fullness, church, that we would know him. This is our continual prayer for you. Oh, as we pray for that, the reality is uh, we all need to take some steps in that. And our commitment as a church is that not only would we have prayers about pursuing Christ, but then that we would have the, the pathways to do it. 
Now, I'm not going to get into all of the, the hows of this because it would get much too long and much too mundane right now. But what I want you to know uh, on this last Sunday of this series is that we're going to be doing trainings in discipleship. We're going to be equipping for what it means to be disciples who make disciples. This is a journey that is not ending with the series, but is just getting started. That we will have a, a pathway where uh, people of all different backgrounds could come and, and be discipled and then go and to disciple others, men, women, youth, kids. And I want you to know that not only have we been praying for you, but your leadership has been tirelessly, tirelessly working to put these paths into place that we've been shaping and refining. And I believe that God is in this because uh, several years ago, God gave us a vision as a church that we were to intentionally pursue leading people to be disciples, who, who make disciples, that we would be centered on discipleship. And through growth, where very easily we could be pushed here and there to, to do things, to gather larger crowds or do this, we've, we've continually come back to this question. How do we not just gather more people, but how do we effectively disciple people to know more of Jesus, to walk in the fullness of him? And I've seen how God has provided over the years that what began as a, a singular vision of, of me on my knees hearing from God, that he has brought people together to refine and to shape some of our, our staff guys and that have been worked tirelessly on this, some of our women's leaders that have been speaking into this. And, and I'll just tell us this. As we've kind of shared this with some of the other leaders in the region or even kind of nationally with other pastors, uh, they, they say this. If you could pull this off in our church culture today, if you could lead people to pursue discipleship in the way that you talk about, well, you could actually start a movement. A disciple-making movement across generations. I look back and I think, if, if we can pull this off, the, the reality is that how can, how can we not pursue what Christ has called us to? How can we not, as individual Christ followers, pursue prioritizing discipleship as a church? How could we not, as a church, be willing to make shifts in our culture that take us from being a crowd that gathers to people that intentionally follow Jesus and are led on that pathway? How can we not, in view of the gospel and who Jesus is and knowing the fullness of them, how can we not break down the barriers that keep us from pursuing more of Jesus? And so, church, we are on a pathway of pursuing Jesus. And you're going to have more questions about this, and we're going to answer those questions uh, as we go, and we're going to walk together. Our leaders are continue, continuing to kind of wrap up, refining this. We're going to start with some of our leaders, getting them trained, and then going from there. But what I, what I think about is, is the stat that I, I sometimes quote, and you may wonder where this comes from, and, um, but where I often say there may be about 5,000 
uh, church-going Christians in the city of Davis out of 65,000 plus. And usually I will use that illustration um, to make the point that, hey, as we walk along the streets, um, only one out of 14 has a, a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and to call us to be missional, to recognize that the people that we sit next to in our class, the people that we sit next to in the coffee shop, the people that we play next to in the park do not have a lasting relationship with Jesus Christ, do not have a glimpse and a glimmer of what we read about what we have in Christ. But to look at it a little bit more hopefully, I, I look at it and say, what if those 5,000 were not just people who said, yeah, I'm Christian because I don't identify with anything else. Or those 5,000 would not just say, you know, I am Christian because I go to a church on a Sunday morning. But what if just a, a fraction would truly become fully devoted followers of Jesus? What if a fraction would say, you know what? In the midst of it, I have come to grasp who Jesus is, and I'm following him, pursuing all the fullness of him, and I am leading others to know him and to pursue him. What if even 200 of us would say, you know what, we're not just going to church. We're not just learning. No, we are going to be disciples. We are going to live it. What difference would it make if we were experiencing the fullness of Jesus and then we were uh, going wherever he has us right now while we're here in Davis and beyond to make a difference, to be the salt and the light that Jesus has called us to, to be the people who go and to make disciples and to baptize them and to teach them to obey because we've seen Jesus and we want more of him and we will relentlessly pursue him. That's what drives me. What drives me? The reason that I keep coming back to this thing we call church. That I show up to work not just on a Sunday morning, but on a Monday morning and a Tuesday morning and a Wednesday morning and a Thursday morning. Sometimes a Friday morning. Is this fact that Jesus the fullness of Jesus is more than we can grasp and more than we can comprehend. And we need him. We need more of him. And so, church, I'm not satisfied with settling for just doing church. I pray for us as we show up, and I know that we have a faith and we have a desire to follow Jesus, that, that God would continually lead us. And what I want to ask as we kind of wrap up this, this series right now is just that if you are somebody, don't just stand up for, for the sake of standing up or your neighbor is, but if you want to pursue Jesus with all that you are, if you say, I've seen Jesus, I want more of him, I need more of him, I'm desperate for more of him, will we just end this time by, by standing before God? And saying, God, I want more of you. Jesus, I want more of you. I'm going to walk a path. If that is what you would say, would you just stand with me? If you are not satisfied with 
where you are and what you know and what you're experiencing, but you would say, Jesus, I want more of you. That is why we are, are standing. And so, God Almighty, you are bigger than we can fathom. You are more than we can understand. We confess the fact that because of those reasons, sometimes we stray, sometimes we wander, sometimes we get disgruntled and, and frustrated. But Jesus, this morning we're turning back to you. Jesus, this morning we're, we're setting our eyes on you and saying, like Peter said to you long ago, where else are we to go? Jesus, I want more of you. I want to seek you. I want to pursue you. Jesus, I, I'm turning to you. Maybe you're standing this morning and you've never really kind of made that decision to follow Jesus before. But today you're seeing that, that Jesus is lasting, that he is worth more than anything you've been pursuing. And today you're setting your eyes on him. He is gracious to forgive where we've been. And he is gracious to lead us forward. So Jesus, you know our hearts. You know our failings. You know our wanderings. You know the sincerity with which we call out to you this morning. Jesus, would you lead us forward as individuals? Would you lead us forward as a church? To pursue you, Jesus, we want more of you. We want more of you. We're here to declare it. We're here to ask you to give us more of you. In your name we pray. Amen. You guys can go ahead and have, go ahead and have a seat. We're going to enter into a, a time of response here where we can really um, just sit and be with God and listen to what he has to say. You know, how are we to respond to what we've heard this 